0: Mark one thirteen to fifteen And he was in the wilderness forty days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you, even though you were tempted, you never sinned and you were obedient to death, even death on a cross, so that the kingdom of God has come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That is such good news for us this morning. And Father, we pray that as we listen to your word here, you would rebuke us, instruct us, train us, whatever we need, Lord. You would encourage us. And Father, you would draw us closer to you, most of all. And I pray for Math as well. Uh, thank you for him. And thank you for his uh, desire to bring more gospel unity. And we pray you bless him as he speaks at um, Lenitian Evangelical Church. So, Father, thank you for your word. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: So, in the last uh, few weeks, Math has been taking us through the opening verses of uh, Mark's gospel, and um, so we've had John the Baptist baptising Jesus, and then the uh, devil's temptation in the desert, and today. With uh, verse 14 the spotlight now moves to Jesus and at this point in our Bible um, we might see a heading like Jesus begins his ministry now mark himself does not say that because actually although verse 14 does look like the starting point by being so near to the front of Mark's writing Jesus is already about maybe a year into his three-year public ministry at this point. Mark gives us a time marker in verse 14. He says, John the Baptist had been arrested, and then Jesus moves to Galilee. Uh, When we look at John's gospel side by side um, with Mark's, the Jesus moving to Galilee is near the end of chapter 4 in John. Jesus had already done and said quite a bit in John chapters 1 to 3 before starting out in Galilee. Mark has simply not included those things in his writing. Mark has deliberately chosen to start his spotlight on Jesus Here, verse 14, even though Jesus had already been a very public figure in and around Jerusalem for maybe a year. And if Mark has chosen to skip all of that in order to start his account of Jesus at this very point, then verse 15 is meant to be significant. It's not just some casual statement at some random point verse 15 is like the introduction to the path that mark is going to take us and we will see Jesus giving more and more clues about himself until we get to the big reveal in chapter 8 where Peter answers Jesus's ultimate question to them and to us Who do you say I am? See, that's the exam question. That is where Mark is taking us. And here, verse 15, right at the beginning, that's the starting point. This verse sets out the direction we will go. So it's all important. Jesus declares, The time has now come. The kingdom of God has begun. So, therefore, repent and believe in this good news. Now, that might sound a little bit mysterious to us. The time for what has come? What is this kingdom that is now within reach? But to Jesus' fellow Jewish hearers, people who knew their scripture, they would have quite a good idea. They would know Psalm 103, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens as his kingdom rules over all. Or Psalm 145, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. So God is the eternal king in the heavens, sovereign over the whole universe. But what about here on earth? What about in Jerusalem? Their forefathers had rebelled against God and God gave them over to foreign nations. And for centuries at that point, Assyrians, Babylonians, the Persian Empire, the Greek Empire ruled over Israel and now the Roman Empire was ruling over Jerusalem. However, Prophets had foretold a change to come. For example, Zechariah 14, even though it starts with how Jerusalem would be conquered, but we then get in verse 3, the Lord will go out and fight against those nations. And then in verse 9, and the Lord will be king over all the earth. And on that day, the Lord will be one and his name one. See, on that day, God will conquer and God alone will be king and there will be no other. And Isaiah also prophesied a day when the Lord of hosts reigns on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and his glory will be before his elders. So the people who knew and believed the Bible were expecting a day when God would be king over the land, king on earth as he is king in heaven. And so unsurprisingly, when John the Baptist first started to preach in the wilderness, his message was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John knew what he was getting the people ready for was the kingdom of God, and it was soon to come upon them. And Jesus, in the synagogue in Nazareth, quoted Isaiah 61, saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus then added, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus is saying, the awaited time of God's visitation and favor, the awaiting of God ushering in his kingdom and sovereignty, God's rule authority on earth, well, it has arrived. And it's coming with Jesus himself. Now, of course, there is no kingdom if there is no king. That's just plain obvious it's silly to even say it equally therefore when Jesus says the kingdom has come when Jesus arrives on the scene what is Jesus saying about himself when John the Baptist says he's preparing the way for Jesus who brings in the kingdom of God what is John then saying about Jesus They're both saying Jesus is the king in heaven who's brought in the kingdom of God on earth. Jesus is the king in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, also called kingdom of heaven, is what Jesus taught and what Jesus showed a lot. These two phrases are mentioned over 80 times. In the four Gospels many of Jesus's parables and teachings are specifically about the kingdom of God in Luke 16 it is Jesus who calls the gospel the gospel of the kingdom of God and even after his resurrection Acts 1 says Jesus appeared to his disciples for 40 days still speaking about the kingdom of God Throughout the New Testament, what is good news and what is preached by Jesus and his early disciples is the gospel of the kingdom of God. We have no gospel unless it is about the kingdom of God. We can't be preaching Jesus' gospel without preaching the kingdom of God. And that is why verse 15 is important. And why uh, Mark puts it like a summary title. Right at the beginning, verse 15 tells us where we're going to go and get into in the rest of the book. And that's Jesus ushering in the kingdom of God. So what should we expect to see? In the kingdom. Well, the king is no king if there is no authority. So we should see authority. And indeed, actually, with Jesus, that's what made people astonished. First thing was that Jesus taught in the synagogue. But it's not what Jesus said that the people remarked on. Rather, it's how he said it. It was with authority, not like their usual teachers. Uh, Jesus spoke about God like he really knew God, like one knowing one's own father. Jesus spoke on the Bible like the text was his own words. Jesus spoke of heaven and God's throne like he was native there. The scribes taught as expert learned scholars of the scrolls. But Jesus, he declared the mind of God. The one teaches learnings about God and the other is the living word of God. And the listeners listening in could tell the big difference. But it was not only Jesus' authoritative teaching. That marked out the era of the kingdom of God right at the start of John chapter 3 Nicodemus came to Jesus saying people knew Jesus had to be from God because of the signs Jesus had done quite what signs had been done what signs were this at this early point there There's only been water into wine in John chapter 2, wedding at Cana. That was the very first sign. But even that was enough for Nicodemus to see Jesus as different, as someone truly from God, because Jesus had command over nature. Water into wine is not even just a natural process that Jesus accelerated. Chemically, there's not any of the ingredients or substance of wine in the water that Jesus had poured into the stone jars. Jesus has supernatural authority over nature. Nature recognizes the Creator's authority. Nature bows. Nature obeys. Jesus speaks, water becomes wine. Jesus speaks, And the raging storm falls silent before its king. But see how Jesus immediately answers Nicodemus here. You see the signs, Nicodemus. That's good. But signs are pointers. Do you see where the signs are pointing? Or actually, do you see who they are pointing at? Do you see the kingdom of God, Nicodemus? Do you see the king? Not much good seeing the sign, but still remaining on the outside. Follow the sign, Nicodemus, and enter in. To enter into the kingdom of God, you have to have a rebirth, a new birth, a turnaround and start again life. See how quickly, the kingdom of God pops up when Jesus speaks. Because the kingdom of God is what it is all about. If Nicodemus is already showing signs, he's on the right track, then the kingdom of God is where Jesus wants him to arrive at and then enter in. And that is what the gospel is about, entering into the kingdom of God. And another aspect of the kingdom of God is the authority of Jesus has over broken bodies. Now, we know there are many examples of Jesus' healing in the Bible, and Jesus still heals today. And the healing is not an optional sideline. Healing is not some additional thing that Jesus also did. Healing is central core to what Jesus does because it fundamentally demonstrates the kingdom of God. It demonstrates the authority of King Jesus, not just in how he teaches, not just in what he does, but also his authority over the ill effects of a fallen world in our suffering and imperfect bodies in greek and in hebrew salvation and peace that jesus give are both about the wholeness in the spirit soul and body salvation is not just avoiding hell it is fullness of body spirit and soul now And that is why the kingdom of God does not sit cozy with disease and sickness. So Matthew tells us here that Jesus' ministry in Galilee is proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction. The two go together. It's not one or the other. It's both together as one. Because... We live in a world that breaks down and decays and dies. But that's not the way God originally created it. Pain, suffering, toil, thorns and thistles, these came in as a result of man's disobedience in the fall. So consequently, this is now how it is in the kingdom of this world. Kill, steal, and destroy. That's how the devil operates. And we are targets in this world. But the kingdom of God is where Jesus has authority. Authority over even the breaking down in and the attacks on our bodies. And when the kingdom of God arrives, it comes in opposition to the kingdom of this world. The stuff of this world, the stuff of sickness and decay, can no longer have complete sovereignty. The kingdom of God rises, disease and affliction retreat. That is how the kingdom of God is at hand. That is what Jesus demonstrates. And the kingdom of God will grow. It will spread out and permeate. Now that's the parable of the mustard' seed, and it will grow and so that God's kingdom, God's kingdom will expand such that ultimately, in time, one day, the declaration will be that the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Lord and His Christ. The kingdom of God will, in time, completely possess the kingdom of this world. So it's no wonder to see Jesus healing diseases and sicknesses from the start of his kingdom. This is what the kingdom of God is about, driving off the kingdom of this world. Physical overpowering, the curse of sin, goes together with spiritual advance. And because this was the way with Jesus, then so it is also to be for those who follow after him. Firstly, with his 12 disciples. When Jesus sent them out, his instruction to them was exactly to do what he himself had been doing, to cure diseases, to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. Why would the followers of Jesus deviate from the path Jesus himself had taken? So the disciples did just that. Luke says they went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everyone. Like master, like followers. But it wasn't just the twelve. After the twelve, uh, Jesus then sent further Followers, 72 of them in pairs. And now his instructions to these is the same. Heal the sick and then tell people the kingdom of God has come. Again, the same two pronged task. Since this is what Jesus did, then this is what he instructed his followers to do. Followers follow. So the gospel always was about the kingdom and the authority of Jesus the King to speak with authority, to command nature with authority, and to heal with authority. But not just that. It was also to drive out demons with authority. When we say the kingdom of this world, who is the God of this world? Who is the ruler of this world that will be cast out? Who is the evil one who, that is controlling the world? Well, there, this is none other than Satan. He is the one in opposition to Jesus, even though he's no match for Jesus. Satan lords over the kingdom of this world, he has control until the coming of the kingdom of God. Until the coming of the kingdom of God, Satan had almost all of it. He had freehold until, until Jesus came on the scene. Remember uh, what Math talked about last week in the verses just before this one, uh, which Rosie also uh, read out. It was the temptation, wasn't it? Satan tried to defeat Jesus. Satan used his usual tricks. Satan attacked Jesus when Jesus was at his humanly weakest point. Satan launched at least three attacks, but he failed each time. Satan could not overcome Jesus, and Satan then had to retreat. It surely is Mark's deliberate design to immediately then put up this verse 15 for us. Jesus says, the kingdom of God has arrived. Satan no longer has freehold in this world. Satan has not only met his match, Satan has met the one who is victorious over him. Every time. And from now on, the kingdom of this world is on retreat. And the kingdom of God is advancing. And this is what the gospel of the kingdom of God is. Satan had taken hold, but he is being driven back. And every time Jesus cast out demons, it's the kingdom of God advancing. And Luke 11, um, there was this um, man... And the demon had made him blind and mute, it says in the text. And Jesus cast out the demon and restored the man's sight and speech. And Jesus explains, um, his casting out of the demon from that man shows that the kingdom of God has come upon them. The power that had long shackled this man, that power finally had to bow to higher authority, bow before Jesus. Remember, Satan steals and destroys. The world doesn't belong to him, but Satan has just stolen it and lords over it. But Jesus has come to take back what the enemy has stolen. Satan has no right over that man, nor does he have any rights over any of us. But Satan steals, he's a thief. And the thief does not respect rights. Satan steals, he does not play fair. However, when faced with Jesus, Satan has to submit to higher authority. So Satan recedes and the kingdom of God advances. And this taking back what the enemy has stolen is not just for Jesus alone. When Jesus sent out the 12, and then later when he sent out the 72, he assigned them his authority over demons, so that when the 72 returned, what they were most keen to talk about was that even demons were subdued and repelled, as though that was the most difficult and unexpected thing to happen. And yes, it is the most difficult thing because in and of ourselves we are completely unarmed and exposed in the spirit world. But Jesus did not send them out unarmed. Jesus had armed them with his own authority. When when the disciples confront the demons... The, dem- the demons faced authority no lower than that of Jesus himself. When the 70, what the 72 reported was that the demons were subject to them in the name of Jesus. The disciples then did not merely imitate Jesus. They carried with them the full same authority of Jesus. The demons did not bow to the disciples. The demons recognized the authority of Jesus in the disciples. And it's because of Jesus' authority in them that the demons fled. Now, our current series is go and make. Go and make disciples, new followers. That is what Jesus told his disciples that is the mission. Go and make new disciples and baptize them. But what are the disciples then to do with the new disciples? It says there, Jesus told them, they are to teach them, to teach the new disciples, to obey all the instructions that Jesus had given his first disciples. Whatever Jesus has told his first disciples to do, then the 12 and the 72, they are to then pass on the same to the new followers after them. Go and make, teaching them, the same everything I had commanded you to do. Heal the sick, drive out demons, and tell them the kingdom of God what jesus set the 12 and the 72 up to do and what jesus equipped them with is the same as what jesus told them to then pass on to new disciples after them and that includes disciples today so we today don't go and make with our own operational plans or ideas we follow jesus And we do what Jesus and the early disciples did. And we don't go and make on our own, nor go in our own strength, nor in our own authority. No, we go and make with Jesus. That is his promise here in red. We go in his strength and we go with Jesus' own authority. We heal in his name. We cast out demons in his name and we proclaim in his name. And people are healed, not because of us, but because of Jesus. It's his authority over broken bodies, back then and now. Demons flee, not because of us, but because they see Jesus' authority in us. And people believe, not because of us, but because they see the kingdom of God advancing and they see King Jesus. So our mission is the same mission as what the first disciples received and which they then passed on. I said earlier um, that verse 15 is the starting point over the few next few weeks we're going to see more and more but mark is taking us to that big question in chapter 8 jesus is going to ask now what about you who do you say i am what is your answer there are two kingdoms in the natural we are in the kingdom of this world and Jesus says the time is now the reign of God has come so turn your life around and live in the truth of this good news now that's my paraphrase of verse 15 but that's the meaning of what Jesus is saying there there is only one proper response to the coming of the kingdom of God we either accept and enter into it or we stay in the kingdom of this world and until Jesus returns these two kingdoms are there vying but we cannot have two kings we either stay in the kingdom of this world or we turn our back to it and we embrace and enter into the kingdom of God and that is what that word repent there means when I was a scout and this would have been years and years ago we used to march in the schoolyard and as we were marching the scoutmaster would shout out about turn and then the whole troop would immediately maneuver a 180 degree turn And march in the opposite direction. That is what repent is. Instead of marching with this world, instead of dancing to the tune of the God of this world, it is about turn. It is our back to the world and enter into the kingdom of God. I know many here are already in that place. But maybe it is still not yet for some. And maybe you want to know more. Pastor Mark, Jacob, or Stu or, or I would be happy indeed to share more with you. Just find us and talk to us afterwards. But I ask for now um, that we sing, sing together. If you are in the kingdom of the God, kingdom of God, then let's affirm and declare it together. You may look at these words and say to sing I decided. That's a bit simplistic. You say actually it was more the truth of God's good news just overwhelming me. He swept me up. Well, I fully agree. It is God's goodness that draws us irresistibly. It is his spirit who made his truth all alive in us. It is absolutely all 100% God that we find ourselves in his kingdom. It never is that I decided to invite God into my life. It's all about him bringing me in. Absolutely 100%. But how might we stand when we are challenged? When Satan does not take defeat lying down and he fights back, what is our true colors then? Will we still be standing up for Jesus? You know these words are from a song. Now, there's a story to that song, to these words. Um, Not all the details of that story are fully certain, uh, but it goes something like this. As a result of a Welsh revival around 1840s, missionaries were sent to Assam in northeast India. And at that time, it had many tribes famous for headhunting. So, Pretty um well not friendly. (laughs) But at that time the time was ripe. The kingdom of God was at hand. The missionaries had their go and make mission. And in a village, a local man called Noxang and his wife, they were the first to repent and believe in the gospel. This did not go well with the village chief. And so they were brought into the open and told to publicly renounce their faith or be killed. The account says the man, Noxang, was moved by the Holy Spirit to then sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The village chief was angered by the defiance. And he had their two boys killed there and then with arrows. So the chief asked again, Now will the man renounce Jesus? Your sons are dead, and your wife will die too. And the man sang, Though none go with me, still will I follow. No turning back. Which then resulted in his wife being killed and a further chance to renounce to which the man sang the cross before me, the world behind me no turning back and so he too was killed but the death of this family had such an unexpected impact on the village chief he's thinking and saying what is this kingdom of God what truth it must be not even the death of his family would persuade this man to go back into the kingdom of this world. And it so shook that village chief that God miraculously saved him at that moment so that he too then declared, I too belong to Jesus Christ. And with the village chief, then the whole village repented and believed in the gospel. Sometimes, go and make is simply not to crumple under opposition. Sometimes, go and make is costly in the extreme. But every time, go and make is God advancing his kingdom. And if you are in the kingdom of God this morning, shall we stand and affirm our allegiance to king jesus when satan fights back will we affirm no turning back no turning back because our king himself has promised to be with us even to the very end of the age no turning back let's stand